Hello, my friends, and welcome to a special edition of the New World Kirtan Podcast. It's Friday, July 25th, 2014. I'm Kitsy Stern, and our show is produced as an act of love and service to the worldwide Kirtan community. It's also an audio journal of my spiritual journey through the practice of singing and playing Kirtan. Well, this week, my brain has been working overtime with learning a new computer operating system. I'm switching from PC to Mac, and I'm loving it so far. It's pretty easy to learn, and everything works, which is really nice. Producing the podcast was interesting on the new software, but it's becoming easier. The brain cells are perking, that's for sure. Last week, Jayutal and I set out to have a conversation about his Kirtan camp next month. It's his first residential summer camp, and it will be held at Harbin Hot Springs in California. As we chatted about the camp, our conversation went down several unexpected and delightful roads with stories and insights about our bhakti practice. We talked about learning how to lead kirtan in an atmosphere of love and support, Jai's own journey into sobriety, and how it taught him to be human and vulnerable as a performer. Today's show is part one, and I'll post part two as soon as it's edited. Don't forget that Bhakti Fest is coming up September 4th through 7th in Joshua Tree, California. Discounted tickets are available at the New World Kirtan website. MC Yogi is going to be there this year for the first time in years. I can't wait to see his set. And I'm also going to PranaFest this year, but I won't be podcasting. The festival is practically in our backyard. It's held in Ashland, Oregon, and lots of members of our local Kirtan community will be attending. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jai as much as I did, my friends. And until next time, namaste. Today, I'm talking with Jai Utal. And Jai, it's such a pleasure to have you on the program again. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Kitsi. It's always a pleasure to be with you on or off the program. And myself and all the Kirtan singers that I know are very um, just thankful to you for doing the work that you do. Oh, it, thank you for saying that. It is a pleasure to do this work. And today we're going to be talking about something that is really near and dear to your heart, and that is your your summer kirtan camp. Now, I've been hearing about this for a while, but this is your first residential camp, right? Well, it's our first residential summer camp. Every winter we do a residential camp. Oh. Um, you, for the first, I think, five years, we did it in Guatemala at Lake Atitlan. And then, you know, if I... I, I my memory is always a little <laughs> shaky, but then we took a residential camp, I think, to India, and then we did one in Mex- Costa Rica, then Mexico, and then Costa Rica. I don't remember, but um, we, oh yeah, we did one in Brazil over the winter. I think oh. that was three winters ago, and this year we're going again to Costa Rica to the Blue Spirit Retreat, you know, that Omega runs. Right, right. So, yeah, so this is the first time we've done a residential s- summer camp. And um, the, the, really the only reason for that is we have a, a lovely place quite near my home where we do the non-residential camp, but they were doing, they're under construction this year. So we were, you know, like, where are we going to do it? Where are we going to do it? And we discovered that there was some available dates at a place called Harbin Hot Springs, which is about an hour and a half from where I live in the Bay Area. And it's this is a place that, everyone around here loves it's a it's a it's a community and it's it's uh some of the most beautiful pristine hot hot springs that i've ever been to and where we are doing the camp is is it's part of harbin's land but it's off to the side a little bit so we have our own private place we have our own private camping we have our own private uh kirtan room private kitchen and the coolest part well maybe not the coolest part but um, another cool part <laughs> is that we we have our own private warm swimming pool. Oh, yeah. So that's really cool. So then anybody who wants to go for the hot baths and um, you know go to the Harbin more community cent- area, they can just walk. I think it's like a five or ten minute walk. So it should be really awesome. I you know I love the non residential because simply I can sleep at home. Right. Which, which for me, for me is heavenly. Yeah. So I, so at first I was disappointed that that we couldn't do it this year, but but the the enthusiasm and excitement 
from so many people that were doing it in Harbin just quickly took me over, and now I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, what we do at Kirtan Camp, though, is more amazing <laughs> than the environment in which it happens. Actually, I shouldn't say it's more. I shouldn't say what we do. I should word that more as what happens at Kirtan Camp is is always very, very amazing where, wherever it happens to be. Um, you know, we have a, a structure, of course, with different time times of the day where we gather and do different things. And and I sing quite a bit. And um, uh, Daniel Paul and I lead the kirtan. Uh, Daniel Tucker, who you may know, and, uh, a lot of your listeners may know him. He's a uh, harmonium teacher, and he he runs what's called the Bhakti Breakfast Club. Oh, sure. It's, a, it's an online community of you know great things. And my wife, Nubia, will be teaching yoga and uh, bhakti dance and um, just discussions about the gods and goddesses of the Vedic tradition. Uh, so I have a very rich, full schedule. But I find that what happens to all of us, you know, I started, we started Kirtan Camp 11 years ago. And I felt, you know, it was Nubia's suggestion. I came back from a trip. I was tired. And, you know, she said, Jai, you're always going all over the place to to do these programs for other for other organizations, and you come back tired and not very much money and just kind of wasted. Why don't we do it ourselves? And I, you know, I said, impossible. Nobody will come. <laughs> <laughs> so Navia said, well, well, let's just give it a try. And so I said, okay. And pretty soon. You know, we have 50 people signed up. This was our first year. We, and the place that we were doing it that first summer could barely hold 50 people. And then I became like, oh, my God, what am I going to teach to 50 people over 10 days? You know, because our first year was 10 day long. And, um, you know, so I started writing notes in a book and a program for each day, what I was going to do. Um, by the 10th day... I had only gotten to halfway down the first page of my notes. So it became quickly, quickly clear to me that, that it was an offering and a, uh, you know, a feeling of inner surrender to my guru. And that what happens there, you know, my role as, as the leader is simply a very transparent role. But everybody who comes brings their their yearning and their longing and their knowledge and their experience and, and their desire for deeper experience. And we become this, this pot or, or maybe sometimes I feel we become this boat and we throw up our, our sail and, and our gurus and particularly I feel my, my guru blows the wind into the sail and takes us to wherever he, she, it wants us to go. So it becomes this this heart-melting communal experience where we all take some deeper, deeper steps, deeper, deeper movement into what devotion really is, what bhakti really is. And bhakti is, you know, although there is thousands of treatises on what bhakti is, it's really indefinable because... It's unique for each person. Each person's emotional inner landscape is unique, and each person's relationship with God or with spirit is unique. So, um, you know, we travel together on this uh, journey that has no maps, but is completely guided by the heart. Oh, that is a beautiful way to explain that. You know, I've taken other Kirtan, things a, a, a bit similar to this. And uh, and um, I can't tell you how much it affected me to see people who had no musical experience, but just this burning desire to bring this practice to their communities. And yeah. they wanted to know how to do it. The communities gathered together to support everybody. And it was like we were all, just as you said, we were all like in this... Tr- in this vehicle, traveling together, enabling everyone to be their best, um, yeah. and to and to bring this practice to um, to the world, and it was it was a really beautiful thing to watch everything 
fall apart because things fell apart in the beginning and then they all came, they came back together again. Yeah, uh, it, it is amazing. And, and seeing people who have never sung in front of others in their whole life, uh, feeling the, the inner calling and, and the, 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 the safety, I guess, yeah. to be able to lead a group in Kirtan. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we encourage, I encourage everybody to, to take the leap and lead the group for a little, you know, for, for some time. But I don't force it on people because some people just don't want to go there. And, and some people want to go there, but they're not quite ready to take that step. But other people actually have no desire to lead a group in Kirtan. So we don't push it. Well, like in our very first Kirtan camp, the second to last day, we had a 24-hour Kirtan open to the public that was led by all the, uh, the group participants. And then uh, after, we did that for a couple of years, and I began to see there was a little bit too much emphasis placed on that day when everyone was going to be leading. So everyone wanted to, was focusing on like rehearsing for the quote performance unquote. Mm -hmm. And um, I, so I changed our format a little bit. And on the second to the last day now, well, in our non-residential camps, we have a, a community open potluck kirtan where everyone takes who wants to takes turns leading it but we don't advertise it and we don't charge for it we don't rent a place we just invite friends and family and have a, a really sweet event with much less uh pressure or focus on performance so you know uh so we how do i word this we, we do technical stuff at kirtan camp we learn we share mu you know skills of the music of harmonium of how to lead and how to uh, construct a chant and all that stuff but really that is secondary um it's important and it's and it's for some people it's very important but for me it's a little bit less important than the intention the desire the urge to experience devotion on a deeper level mm. and all the inner healing that comes with that. And, and my desire is, is for myself as, as much as for everyone who comes, because I'm always feeling, wow, I need to go deeper. It's just, uh, I'm so on the surface. Uh, you know, in our life, we go in many, many different levels from day to day and very many, many different moods. And sometimes I feel very distant from God and sometimes not. But, you know, I always feel the need for a, a, a deeper immersion and a deeper experience of that. So that, that's really what we're going for. Um, yet, on the other hand, I am so completely happy when people tell me they've gone home to their communities and to their towns and they start leading kirtans and based on the inspiration that they get from camp so so yeah it's both and um i also feel very strongly that anybody who wants to make who who's into kirtan has the ability to make it part of their personal daily practice and and that's not necessarily in front of other people, but just, you know, in their own homes. So I really, really encourage and, and hope that I give people that sense of, um, you know, confidence, vulnerable and safe confidence that they can start practicing this on their own. Vulnerable and safe confidence. That's really beautiful. Um, well, you know, we have in, in the West... Um, Confidence is, is a funny word. There's confidence building camps and trainings, you know, build yourself confidence, which all seems to revolve around um, separating yourself from the people around you and making a, a, you know, like a wall around you and then boosting up your self-esteem and um, your inner sense of power. And my feeling is a little bit different. I feel the confidence comes from a trust mm. where, where we know that we can fall apart and we can make mistakes and we can totally mess up. And yet if we're leading with our heart, we trust that the people around us 
perceive us with their heart. And so, you know, I, so often I, 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 you look at someone who seems really perfect, right? And, and you kind of admire that. That's cool. Wow, that's amazing. But you, you look at someone who seems very imperfect and human, and what do you feel? You feel love for that person. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the confidence that I, I want to instill in people because that's the con- confidence I try to um, bring to myself. It's not a confidence, oh, I am great, I can do this. But it's more an acceptance of like, I am who I am and I have, you know, I'm a cracked vessel that God created and in my own human, human way, I can do this. You know, I used to stand up there, I fronted many bands and um, I used to stand up there petrified. And so I, w- I would drink and I would take drugs and I would just mm. like, <laughs> like do everything I could to somehow get over self-consciousness. And, and well, you know what finally worked for me was, was honesty. Um, you know, I, I, I had to get sober because I just couldn't proceed anymore. And this was, you know, I was... I wasn't secular music. It was always spiritual music for me. Well, I shouldn't say that, but for many, many years it was spiritual music. But but going into very different environments, you know, my band, the, the Pagan Love Orchestra who, that I used to have, was an 11-piece band. We did a bunch of my albums are with that band. It was completely spiritual music. Um, but we we performed in nightclubs and we performed in bars. There was no... There were no venues that were like what we have now. There were no yoga studios hosting music. There was no bhakti fest. There was no ecstatic chants or prana fest or anything like that. So, you know, it was even <laughs> even scarier because we'd, we'd go out there and play this combination of, of jazz, reggae, rock, but all with kirtan, you know, kirtan words, kirtan lyrics, kirtan intentions. Hmm. So finally, finally, I, I did get myself into a treatment center and got sober. And I thought, my God, how am I going to get out there and, and do this without being high or on something? Because it's just too scary to, to make myself naked in front of a, a, a potentially judging, <laughs> cruel audience. Yeah, yeah. You know, you start thinking everyone's cruel and judging. And actually, you know, everybody wants love. So, but that's another, that's a, that's another subject. Everyone, everybody wants love and every, everybody wants to love. But that's not always so evident. But so then I watched this video. Actually, I was still in the treatment center. I watched this video of Robin Williams at Carnegie Hall. And I didn't know this at first. Well, I'll tell you, um, he's on stage and he's just incredibly funny, as he always is. I'm very much of a fan of Robin Williams. But about 10 minutes into the, the performance, he runs to the edge of the stage, crouches down, like makes himself really small and says, you know, I just got out of a cocaine rehabilitation clinic 10 days ago. This is the first time I've ever performed sober. And I... And he said, I am petrified. And he ran off the stage and hid behind one of the big stage props. Um, now, it's possible that this was scripted or it, maybe it was spontaneous. But, but either way, it showed me something so profound that he was being honest with the audience, not just with how cool and groovy he is, because he is, you know, but also he was being completely honest with the audience and and totally vulnerable with his fear and with the, you know, the the abject panic of of what he was experiencing. And then then he came out and he continued his his performance and, you know, it was fabulous as always. Uh, As a viewer, I don't know... you know, I never knew he was high, but apparently he had a very bad problem. And and anyway, that that became a key for me. That became a um, you know a touchstone because previously, whether it was whatever music I was singing or playing, I was so afraid of the audience that both psychologically, 
emotionally and you know with substances i would create a wall between myself and the audience in order to proceed mm. uh, but after that time and this wasn't you know it wasn't easy it was it was a challenge for me but after that time i i tore down that wall and realized if i'm singing to god god is in all of these people and i don't mean in an abstract way but in a very human incarnational way and i can't separate myself from the audience if i want to do what i'm doing in a real way so i began to say when it was true it wasn't always the case but when it was true it was often the case i would i would tell the audience that i was really scared i was trying to do this but you know but i was distracted by my my self consciousness and my self criticism and my fear of you all and i would sing this song which you probably heard me sing but i haven't sang, sung it at bhakti fest it's it's a prayer from tulsidas where he says I see Rama the infinite god and I see Sita the infinite goddess in in the faces and the eyes of everyone around me and so I bow to Rama and Sita in you so you know so I would sing the song and bow to everybody and tell everybody the meaning of the song and then tell everybody that the reason I'm singing this song is because I my default is kind of to think that you guys are all out to get me and i need to remind myself that you are my beloved rama and sita sita and rama and um anyway you know i i feel like i'm a little less anxious now i'm a little bit more at ease with the you know the process of going on a stage in front of people but for for some time it was very very hard and and the way i was able to get through it after i realized that drugs was not the way to get through it was just by being completely honest with the audience. And and what did I discover? I discovered that the more honest you are, the more people love you. Mm. And the more people love you, the more easy it is to completely get naked. I don't mean physically naked, <laughs> but you know, to open up your soul and your heart and and do what it do what we do in kirtan which is pray to god but pray and include the people around us and sing you know call and response is completely inclusive and at the same time it's completely an individual's connection and prayer to god it's amazing because it's both things you know there's nothing more internal than singing kirtan and at the same time it's completely external because we want to everyone we're all singing together we're all doing it together and as the quote leader unquote you you want to invite everybody in with you sitaram 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 ram sita Sitaram, 
जय 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 हनुमान को साई कृपा कर talk about fear my son's nine and you know but in this case it's it's a something about skateboarding and going down this long ramp and and i realized you know there's times when you're called to walk through your fear but there's other times when your fear is is actually you know the voice of your higher your inner guru telling you not to do this Mm. and and you know, it's hard in life to discern those voices, but but that's also part of the lifelong challenge that we have. You know, what is the voice of my spirit? What is the voice of my ego? Um, why are they at war with each other, and which is which? Oh, no kidding! Right? You know, so but so I tell my son, you know, honor those fears if if you have them. Don't feel like you're less than than the other kid because the other kid doesn't happen to have those fears. We all have different challenges in our life. Um, I have, there's one story. It's, it's, it's not exactly about this aspect of leading Kirtan, but it's another aspect of leading Kirtan, which was really a profound experience. It, was, it was, must have been, gosh, can see, it must have been 30 years ago, or maybe, let's see. Uh, yeah, maybe about 30 years ago. I was, I was in my guru's ashram in India, it was after he had left his body, but I was there. And every year at the end of the nine-day Durga Puja at these temples, the tenth day happens to coincide with the day that Ram killed Ravana in, this, uh, in the story of the Ramayana. And so there's a, a 24-hour chant of Sri Ram, Jai Ram, Jai Jai Ram. And um, different people are, are chosen or volunteers volunteered to lead the chanting for an hour or so. And this is way up in the mountains in, in a beautiful, beautiful environment. Um, and at the time, I was, there maybe there was only two or three Westerners there, and I was the only one who sang. So, you know, I was the only Westerner who was part of this. Well, well, the others were part of the, the audience, the, you know, the response, but not part of the leading. So I was given the 4 a.m., no, I think it was 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. shift. I, you know, I guess nobody wanted it. <laughs> Although, in retrospect, that's probably not even true. It was just what was given to me. So, all day long, while everyone was singing, I was, I was kind of internally preparing. I was thinking, you know, I want to pick the most Indian melody I have. I want to really sing it in the most uh, free and very raga-like Indian 
way I, I was able. Um, I wanted to rest so that my voice was clear and, and, and strong at that time. I didn't want to be tired. Um, you know, all these, all these pre- preparatory thoughts, which, you know, ultimately I just wanted them all to love me and to, <laughs> I wanted to be part of the family. Mm. Not, none of this preparation was, was spiritual in the slightest. It was all, you know, complete ego. But, you know, I mean, it wasn't evil or anything, but it was just completely self-centered, um, ego-oriented uh, motivations. So anyway, you know, at, at, at around 11 p.m., I took a nap. I woke up probably, you know, just a little bit before my shift. I had a, a chai freshened up. I was feeling really good. And I went over to the seat. The, the previous man, you know, passed the harmonium over to me. And I started singing. And, I, you know, I, I remember the melody and now even. And the drums were right in sync. And my voice was fresh. And it was very, the melody was very Indian. And it came out very nicely. And I was, you know, immediately very pleased with myself. But then I opened my eyes. And I saw that the people around me, there's maybe 50 people, you know, not huge. All Indians except one or two Westerners. They were all singing and their eyes were like, I saw in their eyes, you know, they were wrapped in blankets. It was chilly. And, and some of the, the men had turbans on. And in their eyes, I saw that, wait a second. They had been singing this mantra for their whole life. Their parents had sung this mantra their whole lives. These were mountain people. And their grandparents and their great-grandparents and their great-great-grandparents had all sat in these mountains and sang Sri Ram, Jai Ram, Jai Jai Ram for, for hours and hours for, you know, a large portion of their lives. And, and honestly, I saw immediately that it didn't matter one iota what melody I sang, what my voice sounded like, um, whether it was fast or whether it was slow, what key it was in, what raga was in, it was in. None of this mattered in the slightest bit. They were singing to God. They were singing this mantra, which was in their molecules, and singing it to God. And and that my job as the leader for that one hour was was merely just another cog in the bicycle wheel, just another spoke, I guess you would say, in the bicycle wheel. Um, no more or less important than anyone. You know, it had a, an importance. It was just sort of, you know, you're kind of keeping the rhythm direction going. But, you know, nothing higher, no no higher importance or role than anyone that was there. Oh, that's great. That's, and, wow. You know, and I felt, you know, partially with a smile, I felt a little embarrassed at my whole, I basically missed the entire previous, what was it, 14 hours or something in my preparation for my set. Um, but it but it wasn't a humiliating embarrassment. It was just sort of like, wow, now we have another level of understanding. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And I think that's what, you know, that's what's, what is the beauty of this is that, you know, as each level is revealed, you know, another, another layer of the onion gets peeled away and you might get another glimpse, you know, of yeah. really what the whole thing is about. And then you can take that and move forward. And then maybe if you're really lucky, another layer will unpeel. I think maybe going to India unpeels a whole bunch of layers all at once, maybe. I don't know. I've never been, but... Um. Well, yeah, <laughs> but going to Bhaktifest peels more layers too. I said everything peels layers if we're able to put ourselves in that place of wanting the layers to be peeled. Yeah, which is um, sometimes you 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 got you wonder you know be careful what you wish for, but but ultimately what else is life about really? Yeah, you know, I I it's not necessarily the easiest path, but it's certainly. I'm finding it to be incredibly rewarding. Yeah. The mirror of the sky 
reflects my soul The mirror of the sky reflects my soul Tied to the corner of the room What keeps me tied A storm is raging in my crumbling hut The water's rising to my bed My quilt is floating on the rolling flood Bring my shelter down, down, oh bow of the road, oh bow my heart, what keeps me tied to the corner of the room, what keeps me tied, what keeps me tied to the corner of the room, what keeps me tied. I was reading your description of the Kirtan camp and the things that you that you study at the Kirtan camp, and it sounds like it's a lot more. It's a lot about bhakti, and it's a lot about practice, and it's a lot about um, presenting Kirtan and learning how to how to do Kirtan. But it sounds like it's so much more. You know, I mean, the Ramayan and how it how its lessons can be translated into your daily life. Do you have? Any, I mean, you mentioned that a little bit earlier in the interview, and I wanted to pick up on that. Um, well, my guru, Nimkoli Baba, every Tuesday in, in his temples, in his ashrams, had the Ramayana sung, usually from start to finish, by a group of uh, you know, professional Ramayana singers. And, and, so, and this was Tulsidas's version. Tulsidas the great Indian saint of the 15th century in India. And his version of the Ramayana was called the Sri Ramacharitamanas in Hindi. You know, the, what, what's considered the original Ramayana, although there's a lot of controversy about this, was Valmiki's Ramayana, which was written in Sanskrit. By the 15th century, no, no one but, but the rich and learned pundits could understand Sanskrit. So, so Ramayana was kind of getting lost from the daily lives of people. Hmm. Tulsidas, with um, 
the blessings of Rama and the actual dictation of Hanuman, rewrote it all in Hindi. And, and there's some differences. But anyway, so so at the encouragement of my guru, uh, Tulsidas's Ramayan became a big part of my life. And um, started reading it and rereading it and experiencing it in many, many different ways. And over the years, that... that um, you know, that aspect of my journey has continued and I still am exploring new uh, versions and new translations. And every time I read the Ramayana, uh, you know, new awakenings happen and new understandings and new appreciations. And just like, you know, a little like, oh, wow, that's what that's about. <sighs> so, uh, by the way, I, I'm, I mentioned the Bhakti Breakfast Club before. I have a four-hour uh, just storytelling of the Ramayana available on the Bhakti Breakfast Club, which which I think was very powerful and very ah. nice. So, but depending on the length of the Kirtan camp, well, I mean, I always tell the story of the Ramayana in Kirtan camp. And depending upon the length of the Kirtan camp, you know, uh, it depends on how much in depth I go. You know, when we have a long camp, I'll, I'll spend an hour a day on it and we'll get very quite in depth. This camp... I think I'm going to spend one nice long evening on it. Now, I do talk about my my um, interpretation of certain sections and how that applies to me and how it has applied to me in my own journey. But to tell you the truth, Kitsy, mostly I leave that to Rama and to Hanuman. You know, I tell the story as as you know, just as richly and as nicely as I can. and But trust that the revelations that are contained within the story, you know, I leave that to Hanuman to give to people. Hmm. It, it's, like, it's like in a kirtan, you know, I, I used to feel that it was my responsibility as the kirtan leader to, to create this incredible experience for everyone. And... Somewhere along the line, I, I started being aware that that was, you know, that's a tremendous um, responsibility <laughs> and a rather false responsibility. If I was responsible for everybody in the audience to get off uh, in the kirtan, you know, I, I started to get neck aches and back aches and headaches mm-hmm. it could be because it's wrong. Because it, cause really each one of us is responsible for our, our own you know, everything inside of us. And, and ultimately, even that is untrue, that God is responsible. So, so I try now with the kirtan to sing, you know, to, to, to do my, sing from the deepest place and, and do my craft of the music as, as, as well as I can in that moment. And to engage the audience, you know, tell them the words, bring them into my world as, as much as I can. But once I start singing, you know, I, I realized that everyone, how did I word this? It's not like they're all on their own because we're all together. But, but um, each person's inner journey, that belongs to them. And it's, yes. not, it's not under my control, nor should it be under my control. So, so likewise with, with telling the stories, I, I, I see that Everyone has different, um, you know, it's like dominoes, right? Inside of us, when, when you tilt over one domino and, and how all the other dominoes fall after it, mm. each one of us has a different set of dominoes. And one aspect of the story might elicit a very different reaction and kind of uh, little light bulb going off in one person than it will for another. And, and, and it's all good, and it's all, you know, as long, I, I have such faith in these stories in the same way as I have such faith in these mantras, that all we need to do is hear them and tell them, and in the case of the mantras, sing them and listen to them, and the rest is in God's hands, and, and just being present to hear the stories or tell the stories or sing the songs or listen to the songs, you know, we make that little effort, and and God, you know, with the, we take one step to God, and God takes a thousand and eight steps to us. Boy, isn't that the truth? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I don't do all that much interpretation these days. I, I, I do, I just 
try to tell the stories, you know, with lots of colors and with lots of, um, you know, just as well as I can as an artist. Bringing those stories to a Western audience and, and seeing, you know, what it might trigger. Just as you said, everyone is different. And it's the same, I think, with, with mantra and with the Western kirtan movement. Just because the mantras are set to Western music doesn't make them any less powerful. And someone might have, well, my own experience is that I came into it singing from CDs because we didn't have any live music and that's all we had. And I thought it was a really cool way to meditate. Mm -hmm. That was my on-ramp to, to bhakti yoga. And uh, over the years, I mean, my practice has deepened and grown, but that was my on-ramp. And, and I think your on-ramp can be yoga, can be all kinds of different things. It could be something that was sparked by your bringing a story to someone and having them see something that maybe they didn't see before. And then a whole world is there for them, yeah. you know, and it's, it's really a beautiful thing. To do to do that to help people to to see that. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I've always gotten, you know, so many letters or people telling me that my music has, you know, helped them in their healing in their life in difficult parts of their life and and or has brought joy and so much joy to them and for many 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 years. Anytime anybody said that to me, it would go right over my head. I, 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 like, I couldn't really take it in because I, I felt so that, that the music, that my music was just such an expression of my own inner desperation for, for God, for healing, for connection. That how on earth could it do anything for anybody else? You know what I mean? Mm. I just, I just couldn't take it in. And gradually now, I, I, I feel so, I feel differently. I feel much more aware of that and feel so honored and humbled and, and really just happy that what I do ha has helped so many others. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that with like an ego trip because it just, you know, partially it baffles me and then, then, but on the most part, I see, okay, this is my guru is doing this. And, and how awesome to be part of, of other people's, you know, to be a, a good, important part in other people's healing, heart healing, heart connection with God, and just, you know, plain old spiritual life. It's just, uh, I feel so honored and it is like amazed that, <laughs> that, 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 my life because I'm always like I see people helping others and serving others and their lives are very selfless and I was like how on earth could I ever help others I would sure love to help others but I don't have a clue to help others because I'm so desperately trying to help myself <laughs> um, and then you know gradually I realized wait a second I have been helping others and not quite known it yeah. and, 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 and what a just beautiful feeling that is, right? Jai's Kirtan Camp is August 12th through 17th at Harbin Hot Springs. Details at his website, www.jayutal.com. Join us for part two of my conversation with Jai Utal, posting next week. Akanda mandala karam Vyaptang jena chara charang Tatpadang darshitang jena Tasmai shri guru vena maha Tasmai shri guru vena maha Oh, 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 oh,
Agyanatimirandhasya Nananjanan Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Jana Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Guru Sakshat Para Brahma Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Mulam Guru Padam Mantra Mulam Guru Vakyam Moksha Mulam Guru Kripa Moksha Mulam Guru Kripa ah! 